0: So it's been quite a while since I've cut a new episode for this show. And it really hasn't been anything where I wanted to walk away from this. It was really just a matter of trying to figure out how uh, the show would fit in with my schedule. So I had to move some things around, leave some things, pick up some other things. Uh, But thankfully, I have figured out a way that I can continue my writing, do my work, do my college work um, just all the things that I want to be doing, uh, while I'm doing the things that I need to do to, you know, make sure that I have the money to do these things and keep a roof over my head. Uh, so I'm really excited about today's episode. It's a really cool, uh, indie horror author. You can find the majority of his work on godless.com, He is no other than Sean Cochran. If you haven't read any of his work yet, you should definitely check out Loving Mother. He will tell you, uh, as you will hear in the interview today, probably uh, it's not for everybody, and I would have to agree. But if you don't have really any kind of triggers, uh, as far as horror goes, and you're okay with something that's pretty extreme, you should go ahead and check out the short story Loving Mother. So uh that said, let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the generic podcast. We talk about everything horror, science fiction, and sometimes fantasy. today Sean how you doing? Doing pretty good how are you man? Oh not too bad I'm glad that we you know we were able to figure out a time to to sit down and do this you know the schedules got kind of crazy so.
1: Yes the life of a family man (laughs) is hectic.
0: Oh yeah so so, uh, before we get into a lot of the the writing and the projects that you have going on and some of the ones that you you've put out uh, I was just wondering if maybe you could get into a little bit about like who you are and you know what got you into the horror genre in general cool uh name sean cochran
1: i grew up in california but i've been in texas for holy cow since 2006 yeah um married i got three kids very neurodivergent household we run a zoo i have four dogs and two cats oh wow Uh, (laughs) let's see horror man i guess the 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 thing that there are two aspects. I I remember as young as I can remember choosing my own Halloween costume. And I've always dug Halloween. My, my birthday's in October. So Halloween was always like,
0: hell yeah, "Ah, man. I'm on the 14th. Oh, you're on the 14th? (laughs) 26th.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Uh, But for the longest time, I would always choose to be a vampire. It -hmm. just looked cool, you know, and it was an easy go-to and so when I started becoming a little more of age, I've always loved reading and stuff. My, my grandmother on my dad's side was my kindergarten teacher. And she really made sure, there are two things that she made sure of that I loved. I loved reading and I loved music. And her and my parents really let me be very creative with everything when I was young. So loving books when I got to the age of, you know, it was classic book fairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was right around the time that goosebumps was rolling out, and I fell in love with goosebumps. Also, when I was in fifth grade, I got Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein at the book fair, and I read them both in fifth grade or fifth sixth grade over the summer, something like that. Um, I've read them both since then because at the time, a lot of that's way over my head, Mm -hmm. but I would say more goosebumps than those two things really made me fall in love with horror. Reading horror. I, I was, I had this trepidation about actually watching horror movies and my parents were not big on letting me watch horror movies. So it was all, it was all text for the longest time. And, uh, and then I remember it was like eighth grade ish. I read it by Stephen King and I was like that, that still is the scariest book I've read that book kept me up at night I thought about why and a lot of it is I was the same age as the protagonist in the first part of the book or parts of the book you know there's the time jumps and everything so a lot of the things they were dealing with I could relate to and then the the deadlines and Pennywise and stuff I read passages and I would just put the book down and sit awake in my room like that was terrifying yeah. uh and and it wasn't you know I I stuck with uh reading in books and I've always been a creative writer I wrote poetry and stuff at the time I and and some short stories as a kid uh but it wasn't until adulthood that I that I actually started watching horror movies mm-hmm. I kind of moved away from a lot of things from my youth and I got back to that and just nosedived into it and you know just delved deep
0: yeah yeah, I mean it's this just, it's just funny that you say that because I had pretty much as far as like the the scholastic thing, I I think for a lot of people, Goosebumps was like the main introduction, right? And especially like if you if you grew up anytime between like maybe like the late 70s into like the 90s, there there is this weird kind of divide right where it was like parents were just like oh yeah my kids are reading that's great and you could like every now and, and then could read anything yeah. uh <laughs> and so yeah like a lot of the stuff had to like do with um you know either goosebumps or like any of like the classic stories like the bram stokers uh dracula mm-hmm. um frankenstein is, is another good one um i got and 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 my school it was very strange i was not allowed to read um dracula because it was like way above my age and they were just like no like, like you can't you can't read that it's not age appropriate oh. and i was like okay um so like i so i would we'd have like these assignments where it was like you know you would have to it was like reading time right you be like okay so here's this book that we're going to read in class and i remember and no offense to anybody that likes classic literature. I'm not too big of a fan of of some of it, but we had to read, I think it was like Tale of Two Cities or something and it was like Ugh. a boring, dry yeah. thing. And being wonder, like so many kids get turned off to reading. Yeah. Yeah. It. That's, it's like that collegiate level
1: where you can appreciate it. Yeah. You can,
0: you know, that's the stuff like you read in like college to like pick apart certain things yeah. of like did they write this or why is this segment important not like
1: the, the, the imagery and <laughs> symbolism and you know the through the, the the themes that run through it and things like that
0: mm-hmm. yeah so um luckily you know being neurodivergent myself and being like super ADD and ADHD mm-hmm. one of the things that they would let me do is like if I wanted to go for that reading time and like go out in the hallway or go to the library and read or something and then come back I'd slowly started figuring out i was like i can just leave and as long as i'm not called on they won't know that i didn't read any of this you know i could just ask my parents if they read it or something because my mom is super big into into uh, oh nice oh so i would leave and that would be my time to go read like goosebumps or um like drag like stories like dracula i don't know if you ever read um the the star wars books um galaxy of fear and they had like it was like this 12 it was like this twelve series of of like Star Wars stories, but they were kind of creepy. At one point,
1: I remember being at the local library, and at the time we lived in Southern California, I found a Star Wars book. And at the time, from my perspective, Star Wars was the trilogy, and so I got the book, I started reading it, and there was no Luke, there was no Leia, no Han, no Chewie, you know, no Obi Wan or Darth Vader, and I was like. What is this is not Star Wars I closed the book, you know, and uh you know, of course, I come to find out like no oh, there's there and even now now star wars is so expansive in the universe yeah. and and whatnot that I can't keep up with it i, yeah. I but uh, <laughs> I haven't read those i i I'm weird with reading i I read voraciously in spurts. Like right now, I'm coming back off a off a slump, if you will, like I read and granted some of them are short stories and they and most of them are you know novellas and stuff, so when I say this number, it seems like massive for the time frame but but it's not necessarily as big um I've read forty four titles this year mm-hmm somewhere around there, whatever Goodreads told me I read. <laughs> um and like a lot of like I said, a lot of its short stories and novellas and stuff. Uh everything I've read's been through Godless this year because I love Godless. Like, what I can drop like two dollars and get five, six things to read, you know. Right. Uh but uh I'll do that. Most of those were in the first six months of the year. And then I kind of just like gas myself out for a while and I'll go a couple months and I won't read a, a word. Yeah. And then I'll go, you know, I haven't read in a while. And I'll get back and I'll just pound out, you know, however much for however long.
0: Yeah, I I think that is that's definitely like an ADHD thing because I do the same thing.
1: Like mm-hmm.
0: uh, I think when I started the year out, I had like 40 something books on my like currently reading. <laughs> <goodness>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm updating that thing. And I've read, I, th- I think, no, maybe about half as many titles as, as you've read um but it's literally like I won't read anything and then for like three weeks straight it's just like here's this pile of books I just decided to sit down and read and I won't do anything yeah. else, you know um so it's very I think it's very much like a hyper focus thing yeah which is which is not bad I mean I do the same thing with my writing too so because like I'll, I'll sit down and I'll be like all right I guess I'll write this thing and then like I write a short story or like a novella and then I'm like I guess I'll like edit this at some point and then I don't touch it for months
1: <laughs> I'll start I'll start something I'll have an idea you know or I have I have a a, a notepad folder on my phone where every time an idea pops into my head oh, I need to save that idea for because I used to not do that and I'd sit down and write and go what do I want to write about I had an idea what was it? You know, now I, 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 you know, have this list of ideas. So i go, what is it? Oh yeah, that's what I want to write. And like the current one I started and I don't know, I'm a couple thousand words in, but I haven't touched it in weeks. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, one of my problems was every time I sat down to write, I would have to read everything up <laughs> until the point that I left off because okay. I'm very detail oriented and I don't want to, um, uh, contradict something in a story like like in loving mother, mm-hmm. I changed the name of this the the stepfather character. It was something else. I don't even remember what it was. It was it was something like Bill. It was something really <laughs> bland. And yeah. for whatever reason I was like, I don't like I don't like this name. And I came up with Dalton. Uh I don't even know how it popped in my head. I was like, ah that, that works better for you know my vision of this character. And so I went back and I went through and changed it but upon it you know reading through before publishing i caught bill in there i was like holy crap because i hadn't gone through and you know done a fine replace with it i just went through and reread the story but i used to go through and there's a there's a story i wrote that's probably 30,000 words it's not good it's uh i wrote it in chunks over years and it's it is all over the place like there are elements that i really like about it i went back and looked at it not too long ago and i was like oh this no this is this is you trying to like force a narrative (laughs) that doesn't make a lot of sense so there's so much like like there's only so far that you can like suspend reality like it's it's weird in in like science fiction horror genres you know the the suspension of reality can be like yes I can accept that vampires exist mm-hmm. or you know shape shifters or alien whatever it happens to be but when it comes to uh certain things we just go eh, that's stupid that doesn't work um like another back to when I was a kid I wrote this vampire story when I was a kid And prepping for the podcast, I was thinking about it for for some reason. Just like where when I started writing and stuff, and the main character, this vampire, to make money because he couldn't have a job, because he couldn't go out in the daytime to hold down a job, (laughs) he would go to restaurants and steal tips from the tables. And I remember in this story I wrote, writing something like, "Oh, this person," it was like a diner, like a like a like a late night cafe diner, you know, people like get high and. A cup of coffee like oh this guy left a hundred dollar tip and i wrote that when i was in like seventh or eighth grade and i didn't know right. dick about anything and <laughs> i'm like it's things like that where anybody reading that that knows anything about the way things work would go oh no i don't believe that for a second yeah and and uh so this this other story i wrote as an adult but a much younger adult i read through and i'm like oh no this is this is ludicrous yeah i like the i like some of the imagery and the descriptive writing that i did in it but the overall story is just trash
0: <laughs> yeah i think we we all write stories like that you know and it's it's a shame like the, a lot of i would say like a lot of the writing that i did as a kid i know i think i think like my grandmother and my mother have like some of it just like stashed away somewhere mm-hmm. um, every once in a while they'd be like oh i found i found this story you want it and like half <laughs> the time i'm like oh did I want that? Or did you want me to have that? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you're just, it's like, you're sticking back and it's, you know, like, that's how it is. It's like, it, it's, you know, when you're writing at certain ages and, and, and you know, you haven't had those certain life experiences mm-hmm. where that suspension of disbelief would hit everybody, you know, And it's like you reach that point where you're like, this is very far out there but I'm approaching it as an adult where like I know how to yeah. suspend that disbelief versus when you're a child you might not even know that you need to do any suspension of disbelief. You're just like yeah I, uh, the, the the guy's bike exploded and <laughs> yeah, so much, so out you. you're like this
1: happened just take it. <laughs> One of the things that I think I try I try to apply to my writing uh most of the time and usually it fits uh now a lot of stories now that I've, i i'm i'm doing of, of course like i take loving mother i don't have personal experience with that one of my favorite authors is chuck polonick in an interview or at some point chuck polonick had said write what you know and he used the example of fight club all the crazy stuff in fight club are either based on his experiences or those of people who are close to him and stories that they've told. So, you know, like the the food service workers and what they're doing to the food when they're catering these these events. He's like, I didn't do it, but I know people who did. And he just took that, I, that, that real thing mm-hmm. and put it into a story. And that idea of write what you know really keeps me grounded because sometimes, and actually I'll tell you, the current story i'm writing starts out with the protagonist going to a support room mm-hmm. and if i would have written that a decade ago it would have been based on every movie i ever saw yeah. because i've never i'd never actually been i've been to aa now now and i know how that environment is so i can write that i'm like oh i know this i can write that And so when I come across, if I write myself into a corner and it's something that I don't know, Mm -hmm. I'll backtrack and rewrite or I will go look into things. That's a lot of time that I spend when I'm supposed to be writing. I'm looking into how does this work? Um, I, I did it with Loving Mother when I was trying to figure out what... I knew that Daniel would have to immobilize Dalton because there's no way that a grown man's going to sit there against his will and let this kid do this. Right. So he had to be immobilized, and I was like, "Oh, you could paralyze somebody and still keep them alive." That was the other thing. He had to stay alive. Mm-hmm. He couldn't just outright kill him because then that defies part of his goal with having Dalton watch everything happen. So I was like, "Oh, you know what? If if you up the cerebral cortex." You're going to paralyze somebody. They're they're going to lose control of the body, but they're they're going to be alive in a lot of pain, or completely no pain, depending on you know how things go. To my understanding, but I wasn't completely sure. I have a friend who would know these things, so I can bring out my phone. Like, hey, if you were to want to do this, how would you go about (laughs) it? You know, or would this work? Type of thing. I was like asking for something. I'm writing. I promise. Yeah. Uh, that's when the, the horror and... feed
0: comes up as uh... Yeah, exactly so, <laughs> it's like, I'm, not, I'm not actually doing this
1: <laughs> It's like my wife watches Castle a lot And the intro to Castle is only well, <laughs> there are two people Interested in, mur- in, in You know, murders Serial killers and writers I'm the more lucrative of the two <laughs> and, and that's how I, I'll do that Because I don't want somebody Who actually knows a certain thing To read through and go No, that's not how that works yeah. and then and then have that take them out of that story you know like i i i see the weapon behind you yep i'm not a gun guy i don't know guns so i don't write guns in my stories because i know that if i do uh my good friend dylan uh he's a co-author i think i mentioned dylan to you he, yeah. he, he's a he's a producer he's a co-author with the the anthologies um he's a big hunter and a gun guy and a lot of his non-horror stuff that he's written he's written uh uh, what's the word? A lot of hunting stories and things like that, mm-hmm. and he's the kind of reader that if you are talking about the functionality of a weapon and you go about <laughs> it wrong, it'll take him out of the story. And I'm the yeah. same way with some things where, you know, whatever happens to be, I, I, you know, it takes me out. So I'm very careful about things like that.
0: Very yeah, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a pretty hard thing to do, right? And, and you know, I, I know some people use either like sense writers or they'll they'll reach out to uh folks that they know and they're like you know like how how does this work or is Mm -hmm. this plausible you know especially like if you get into like dark sci-fi where like it's it's not you're not so much focused on the functionality right because you're not writing hard science fiction it's still that element but you also want to make sure you know like you know it's unless you're shooting for something to be super cheesy, you know, which is totally yeah. fine. You know, I love that kind of stuff, but like sometimes you just want to make sure that that everything is right. And yeah, like, you know, like if I watch a film, right. Like, and they're going through like a hunting scene, like, you if you get like uh, any of those movies where, you know, they're, they are like hunting people right in the woods mm-hmm. and you get these people who have somehow been capturing people and, doing this for years and letting them free and, and hunting them with like films that, um you know, it's like, they, they have people that will like, they, they capture everybody. And there's, it's like, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you like a 30 second head start and we're going to start hunting you. And you're just like, okay, well, like, that's a interesting premise. And then it's like, they have somebody with like a double barrel shotgun, you never see them reloading and they're shooting at somebody like, you know, oh yeah away and they've shot like 10 shots and you're like okay not only have they not reloaded yet um they doesn't even have to shell out (laughs) yeah there's no shell ejection they haven't hit anybody and they're shooting like super far away and it's just it takes you out yeah i want to say it was weird al uhf kind of parodied it
1: And then also in Hot Shots with Charlie Sheen, they touched on it. But there's this concept that you saw in a lot of 80s action films, Mm -hmm. what I call a Rambo clip, where somebody would grab a handful of bullets and throw them at the side of a weapon and then fire off like 700 rounds without <laughs> yeah. without replacing the magazine or like they would never they wouldn't even like chamber around it's like bam i'm good to go you know yeah and it, yeah it's things like that where there are certain certain movies i'll watch and i'll go you know going with the expectation that you know i'm not expecting you know the, the most accurate representation, you know, a, a popcorn flick, if you will, you know, where it's just yeah. like, I, I'm expecting, like you said, that cheesiness, that campiness. So I'm not looking for, for specifics, but, but there are certain things depending on what somebody's hobbies are, or what their interests are, that will just snap them out of things so quickly. And I, you know, if you, if you want to keep somebody in your short, you got to try to avoid that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, like, the difference between, like, sitting down and watching The Blob and sitting down and watching Alien.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, 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 that's an excellent way to put that.
0: So, with uh with Loving Mother, like, what, I mean, for, for me, like, I think the, the thing that really jumped out about it to me is just how, like, gruesome it is, right? And for me, like, I have never, I've never wanted kids. I always watch like the 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 chaos um ensue like vicariously after uh-huh. uh, all like my friends and and their kids and it's, it's just like there's nothing there's nothing adamantly like wrong with like having kids you know like i love hanging out with my friends and the, and their kids and like they they're all pretty well mannered but it's just like my temperament i i just i don't have really <laughs> respect that kind of thing but it's like watching films i think one of like the So there's I think there's two things, really, and it's not really just with films. I think it's most horror um, is that one and a broad spectrum out of all the very kind of scary things, people are still the number one scariest thing for me. And then to make matters worse is when it's a kid, because like you don't expect stuff like that from a kid. Mm-hmm. So it's like when I watch horror movies, it's like it's always like and then I get like the kid stuff. I'm like, oh, man, it's like because there's a part of me that can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. You know, like um when you have either the mother or the father figure or the guardian and they're just like they're either they don't want to admit that there's something super wrong with their kid and they need to do yeah. something about it way ahead of time before the problem starts. Or like they know it, but they're like, oh man, you know, I love, I love my kid. And like my kid's perfect. And like, hey, never <laughs> do that. But it's like, you're like, they're talking to somebody that like their kid just like gouged out their eye or something, you know? Oh yeah. So it's like in the case of loving mother, I really like what you did with the aspect of like the, so the mom knows that there's something wrong. She's aggravated with her kid and she's like at the end of her rope. And that's, like, when the story starts to really crescendo. Yeah. And I think that's really, aside from all the gore and everything, that's really what makes that work. And so I was wondering, like, what was your thought process when you were approaching that? And how did you go about nailing down that grittiness? So
1: in a lot of things I write, I will... The, the gore comes easily to me. The mm-hmm. violence and because I, I read so much extreme horror and uh, I read some Bizarro. I'm I'm, hit, I'm touch and go with Bizarro at times. But then the movies I watch, you know, all the the dark imagery and the gore and and so I came up with the idea and the working title for Loving Mother was reverse abortion. Mm-hmm. Cause I, and it was, a, it was, it, it wasn't even for a story. It was, this is going to sound terrible to anybody who doesn't know me personally. I was making a joke about something uh, and I was texting Dylan and my brother. Uh, and I said, Hey, you know, what if, what if this happened or, you know, whatever it was. And I came up with that concept and Dylan, every time that I have an idea, it, I'll present it to to Dylan and he'll go write it. That's so many times there's another story idea I have uh, where it was just a what if like, haha funny with being kind of gross and and whatnot. I said, what if, uh, what if there was, you know, they have needle exchange programs in a lot of big cities for uh, drug users to make sure that they can have clean needles. And although they are using drugs, at least they're not communicating Bloodborne Ill- illnesses and STDs and things like that. But what if there was a situation where vampires started a tampon a tampon exchange program
0: mm. where
1: they would take in used tampons and give out new ones, and it was just like a ha ha. That's kind of gross but funny, you know. <laughs> it, you know. And Dylan goes write it, and I was like, oh, that went into my story thing. And then I had to start thinking about it. Like, I'd have to write a plot around that i just can't have that but that's how a lot of things start and so loving mother started with that idea of a reverse abortion and the the first iteration of that was actually kind of like an abusive father or stepfather figure and like this like shitty snot-nosed teenager and like oh i wish i was never born and then him like attacking him and doing this and i didn't want to do it that way because that basically made the mother in the situation a problem. And and I know that that the way Love You Mother ends up, there is that aspect, but she's a person, you know, Rebecca has something to, she's part of the plot. She's not just, you know, a cavity that, again, anybody who hasn't read that book, that sounds really awful for me to say about a female character.
0: But (laughs) but, (laughs) but you know what I mean? It fits, though. It fits within I wanted
1: to make sure that I knew that the female was going to be victimized in, in that way. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want it to be so like, Oh, she's just there and we're just going to go to town. And I actually started writing it with that first idea. And I just, I was like, I don't want to do that. Um, I don't want that the female character just to be a vessel for violence. That, that was it. She, she had to, to be more. Now the violence I feel is as gruesome and gory as it is. I mean, for the overall story arc, kind of make it, it makes sense. Right. And but I don't feel like she's only there for that in that way. Mm-hmm. Um the story, the story that I wrote in one of the uh, the anthologies, it was the the first one we put out, Disquieted. Um I forgot the name of it off the, off the top of my head, but there is a long, like pages long rape scene in it. It's a very sci-fi. It's like an alien plant thing. And a lot of female readers were very disturbed by it. I didn't think about that when I read, when I wrote it, my Mm -hmm. approach was let's write something that's really going to disturb people. And then it worked. And afterwards I was like, that was kind of a shitty thing to do. It turned into kind of like girl in the refrigerator where Mm -hmm. it didn't have to go that way for the rest of the story to play out. I made the choice as a writer to just take this female character and abuse her. And so I didn't want to do that. But I knew that with the idea that I had, that was going to be where it was going. So where I was going with this, and I digress. A lot of stories I write, I'll start with the idea of the violence, this thing that I'd want to read, or if it was a movie, what's the what's the kill that I would want to see. And then I will come up with an idea around it what what would lead to this because you can't just have like a one-pager it's like oh there's a woman and there's this kid and then you know <laughs> it's there's there, that's not a story that's just the description you know blah violence yeah um the uh the vampire one vampire tampon ones like that i thought about it and i've you know made some notes about okay here's how we can get to that point and now my next step was going to be here's where we go after that the one i'm currently writing. Uh it's I'm not I'm not uh reinventing any wheels or doing anything that necessarily hasn't been done per se, but the idea I had was like, oh, that would be awesome. Now you have to get there. And that's how I, how do we get there? Oh, you know what? And then it led me to what if um uh, the whole story is like these two people meet that both have physical deformities. Mm-hmm. Um very unrealistic way to frig out their physical deformities. And then there's, there's an issue between them, but I had to go, how are they going to meet each other? How do they get there? And then I thought about, you know, because of, again, personal experience, uh, being a recovered alcoholic, going to AA meetings, and meeting, you know, meeting people that you don't know, finding things in common, finding a group with a, with a common, you know, uh, commonality between them. I said, oh, that, what if there was a support group for people that have these physical, abnormalities that in their day-to-day life, whether they're visible or not visible, you know, it could be somebody has, you know, something, you know, you've seen pictures of people with like weird birthmarks or growths on their face. Uh, one, one that I wrote in the story was just like a woman has a third arm growing out of, the middle of her chest. So I, I did go kind of wacky with it. Mm-hmm. So there's those, but what about the ones that you don't see? You know, we all wear clothes, most of us. Um, So a lot of those could be hidden and not have the same effects on somebody's day to day life, but it could be very, very impactful on their intimacy and relationships with other people. So I can work that in that, that gave me that jumping point that can get me to this weird, gross sex thing that I want, ultimately want to write to get people to go, oh, God, (laughs) Sean, freaking gross. And that's, that's really, you know, uh, that that that's how i i get there with those um and again like i said the gore the grossest comes it's it's sadly sadly a natural thing for me i can i can it's i don't have to put a whole lot the only effort that i put into writing gore is like you can only you can't call something bloody over and over right you can't you know finding new ways to describe (laughs) viscera and violence uh and not you know okay I use stab, okay, puncture. I get, you know, you got you gotta find sawed through, you, you know, <laughs> you gotta find these different words uh or different or ways to take the same words and like rearrange them so that it seems fresh and not repetitive right. is the biggest bounce for me.
0: That's like, that's like when you know when the FBI is going through everybody's search history and they're like this guy just like keeps looking up synonyms for stab and like appetite and like members like what is going on here he like just no, no. A fifteen it's different, just, it's different types just for of my knives look here <laughs> yeah what's <laughs> <just> this <laughs> yeah I mean I think that's those I think those are the kinds of the things though um and, and I mean there's several things right uh, that are really kind of related directly to the horror genre and all the different types of horror that encompass it mm-hmm. uh, one of them is how how do you approach the violence right and mm-hmm. then as you were saying um with like um like with, with that rape scene you're saying like for me like when you were explaining that to me it really sounded like some kind of like weird hentai so like that really, really wouldn't really much so. to watch like evil city or something like that from back in the day. It, I don't think that would bother me as much because it's like, I've seen that kind of stuff mm-hmm. before. And like, I've read that kind of stuff, but you know, it's like when you're on the outside looking in, it's like, yeah, you're going to, how many times did they, you know, say this word or like, why did they do this? Or, Oh, they're like fridging this person and this, other or the other thing. It's just like, well, as a writer, it's like, you're not like, even if you tried to not, you know, piss off people, even though if you're like writing something super provocative, which is the mm-hmm. point, um, there's still going to be things that it's like you're like, I nailed everything, I got the story that I wanted, and somebody's gonna get offended, right? Yeah. And so uh, I think a lot of that journey is you know, continuing to write and and learn, you know, okay, I can push the envelope this far in this direction. Mm-hmm. And this group of people will be offended, but it's like, do I care about that? And then it's like, you have that kind of like moral compass where it's just like, okay, like, I guess I need to tone it down that way, but I can totally bring it this way and still involve that or cut this out. So it's a lot of like exploration when you're doing those things, you know, word wise and everything else. So
1: And I I think within that, when you talk about offending people and you you brought the, the idea of morality and things like that, um, The violence is going to be there, you know, depending on the type of horror, the type of book. But when I wrote um, that story in the anthology, why can I not think of the title of my own story? Um, Anyhow, my idea was to have a strong female lead and have it be somewhat of a feminist story. And I thought I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And then when people read it, I had to think back, go, no, you failed at that mission. You just... You, you know you try but but you missed the mark on that mm-hmm. so the next one i wrote was called final girl and and that's in our other anthology and final girl i wanted to write my love letter to 80 slashers so yes. it has every trope it has you know the group of kids go to the abandoned farmhouse and there's the stoner and there's the jock and the cheerleader like i have all those 80s slasher cliches Mm -hmm. and the one that we all know of is the final girl and the one a final girl typically up until in fact jordan jb on camp nightmare just talked about this uh there's a there's a turn towards the late in the late 80s where the final girl isn't the survivor who ran away the final girl fights back and that hadn't been done for a long time but there was also this idea and it's played they play with the idea in um, one of my favorite horror movies is uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's phenomenal it's like a mockumentary very meta horror that that does the same thing it plays on things it's the this woman's doing a documentary. She's in college doing a documentary on the next big serial killer. And he is stalking. He found the perfect group of kids and he picked his final girl and he has all these things planned out. And he goes about how these killers in in slasher movies do things like the, like catching up without being winded and how they direct things to go. Anyhow, great movie. Um, But even in that movie, they're like, Oh, she has to be a virgin. Mm -hmm. And so again there's this idea that to be the final girl to get through this the the female has to be a virgin and it and it's really that in and of itself is misogynistic it's it's saying that uh any any level of sexual activity therefore makes you unworthy or or lesser of a uh, as a woman So I took that and I flipped it around a little bit and that idea of a very passive final girl, I flipped that around Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend, uh, who's supposed to be, you know, you know, come to her rescue in this, you know, he, uh, you know, I, I flipped, I tried to flip a few dynamics in that way and I think was a lot more successful. And so when it came to writing loving mother, (laughs) thanks Freddie. Um, when it came to writing loving mother i knew that i wasn't totally gonna you know be able to be the a feminist fighter i'm like what i'm gonna do in this story and what i'm writing for the the idea that i started with it isn't pretty and and like you said it's gonna piss a few people off right that's why i wrote it as an extreme whore. And I really ramped it up with that because I didn't want it to be, I didn't want to present it like this middle of the road thing and that, that that is digestible and that is accessible to everybody. I know that it's not that, so I didn't write it that way. Right. But knowing what I was going to do with it, there was also this aspect of, okay, I can't write and have all this violence committed against this woman. And then have Daniel just be fine at the end he can't right can't wait in some way he has to lose mm-hmm. to, to 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 kind of balance things out and that's why I ended it like I did yeah. with you know he did all this because he wanted to be in union and like Sure, yeah, you you got that part, but you were so oblivious to everything and everybody around you that the entire time he, he dug his own grave, you right. know, uh existentially, you know, not not even, you know, physically he did something that ended up ending his physical life. His goal was to be together forever, but even within doing, like, like physically obtaining that spiritually, mentally, like however you want to look at that, he lost the overall goal. Oh, yeah. He, you know, so he ends up the loser. Yes, I kind of, you know, fridged his mom on that. Sorry, <laughs> you know, like I, I wanted to write something really awfully violent and that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other thing I, I did writing that and Dylan was my beta reader and the one thing that I was really not sure about was the sexual content up front. Mm -hmm. and like not just the violence but because of the x-rated sexual content that i wrote like i told my mom i was like mom don't read this it's like (laughs) you're not allowed she's like oh no i was like no mom trust (laughs) me you're not allowed to read this tell grandma she can't read it either." yeah um i don't think my mom wants to read something like that coming from me like if she's reading that from other people on her own time that's her business i don't want to know about but uh (laughs) i had kind of like a back and forth between I think in the way I describe it to people is like it it starts out and goes back and forth between like a lifetime drama and hardcore porn and it swings back and forth, you know, section by section. And then it takes that turn into violence and just slams on the accelerator. Mm -hmm. And and I told Dylan reading, I said, is the explicitness and of the sex too much and out of place? And he 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 said what I thought, but he said, no, not really, because it's it brings such a stark contrast that when you're reading it, like it shocks you, like it takes you, you know, it takes you by surprise because you don't see it going there. Yeah. And that n- not necessarily shocking in that manner, but when I write things like this. I want to elicit that kind of kind of visceral response from the reader because I, I think, especially as somebody who reads this kind of content on the regular, it's it's hard to get me to go like Ugh, at a page. Yeah. Or even watching a movie. There's only a couple things that I've seen in in movies where I've really been like, oh my God, like one of the Texas Chainsaw remi- remakes, yeah. there's a guy getting dragged uh, down to the basement. Mm -hmm. and he's clawing at the side and his fingernail catches
0: oh yeah
1: that that turned my stomach and then there's a movie called homesick uh bill mosley is in it and the killer at one point somebody like catches their finger in in a in a car window that's going up and the killer like cuts off the tip of their finger with like wire cutters (laughs) and that was another one that i was like oh i mean the can opener and hatchet the anything in nightmare or friday the 13th i you know there's a point at which you're like i kind of seen it all nothing like really gets to me this point right so i want to get to somebody i know the people that are going after this kind of content mm-hmm. so it's kind of a fun little challenge to be like can i can i get somebody to be like oh man that oh yeah that that's a problem yeah um just it's a little trite it's a shock value thing but it's fun
0: yeah i mean so with the i'd say there's a there's an interesting mix right between the suspension of disbelief while also sewing in things again that we know uh I, i was watching on on shutter they have the i think it's 101 like best horror scene. I haven't watched like that. it yet, but it's on my list. There's there's a segment where they're talking about the film Demons. I, I believe it's when they're talking about Demons. And it's the part where it bursts through the door and grabs a woman by the head and is like pulling her towards this. You know, you know it's really just pulling her out yeah. to, to get her. But during that segment, there's this uh, like, like giant splinter. And you just see all these different angles of the splinter getting closer and closer to the eye. And I think that is that is really what gets people right. Kind of like yeah. when, with Dalton, he's got the ball gag and it was like his teeth get smashed. Right. Yeah. So for for me, that like that really hit home. Right. Because like so, I mean, you can't see it. Um, but I mean, I fell on a wall I was horse around with my sister and uh, she pushed me. And I don't think she meant to push me into the wall, but I slammed my face in the wall and chipped off the whole back of one of my teeth. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I thought like, you know, like I spit it out a little bit, but I didn't know how bad it was. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then like, I went, you know, we were at this festival and I wanted some ice cream. There's a great way to find out that everything in the back of your tooth is exposed, nothing like just biting into some cold ice cream. So I think Ah. for me, if I was going to do something like that, like a ball gag or something like that, I would probably freeze it. Freeze the ball gag first. And then there's that extra pain of like, not only did they just lose the teeth, but now they have all those exposed to the cold, nerves. you know? So it's like, both. it's like the fingers, like you're saying, or like the fingernails yeah. and stuff Everybody like
1: slammed their finger in something, yeah. paper cut, you know, things like that. It's like you said, all times the little things are like the thing going to the eye. Like we've all at one point had something like hit us in the eye or, you know, mm-hmm. I, got, I don't think very many of us have, you know, been impaled through it, but uh, yeah. you we're very protective of our eyes. And so the idea of something, and not just poking you, that, it, it's its that slow, the, coming at it slowly yeah. and not being able to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to watch it happen. It's going to happen. And that, because to a large degree, you know, we start building that up. its It's the anxiety that we build up as the viewer going, oh God, ah, oh, this is gonna suck. This is gonna suck so bad. It's almost like a one of the mo- my favorite movies that I've seen recently, uh, you know, newer movie is The Dark and the Wicked. Mm-hmm. And I tell people like that movie. You know exactly what's going on and exactly where it's going within the first couple minutes. And what it is is it keeps going towards that. And no matter what the characters do, no matter what happens, they can't stop it from where it's going. And you know where it's going. And as a viewer, you have no power over it. You're. It's just this impending doom that gets heavier and heavier and heavier. You know that movie. I think has like two jump scares. Maybe Mm -hmm. towards the end when like you know the guy gets home and he sees his family and I earlier you see like a dark figure in the background that wasn't there before it's not that type of horror movie it is like it is again i use this word a lot i shouldn't but it is very visceral because you know what's going to happen it's this just like i said impending doom and i can't stop this and that's an uncomfortable feeling when you not only are you not in control but as as a viewer you're watching a movie you're like none of these people can stop this from happening right you know when jason Voorhees is stomping through crystal lake killing teenagers, you know that somebody can stop him in some way. Right, you know, somebody right. can pull Freddie out of the dream. Somebody can, you know, temporarily stop Michael Myers, you know, like even, uh, I can't wait for new terr- Terrifier 2, yep. but even Art the Clown.
0: The two the and a half hours of, of yeah, Terrifier.
1: At the, at the end of Terrifier, somebody was able to stop that, you know, yeah. the, those situations where it's inevitable are are bothersome to people because we don't like being that out of control or 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 seeing the characters that we've that we're rooting for knowing they're going to lose and not having any control over it. yeah
0: yeah that's like a, watching that's...
1: the titanic but a good movie
0: <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to put it <laughs> you know you're sinking and you're gonna if, if the yeah. <laughs> drowning doesn't get to you the freezing cold waters will so it's so, so one or the other uh so I, I know you're pretty pressed for time today. So just um in, in closing, like what what kind of uh advice or what kind of things have you learned along the way um as as you've grown as a writer that you want to share with other people?
1: Know your audience. I mean, you gotta have an idea of who you're who you're writing for, whatever you're 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 writing. Like I said. I wrote something that that first short story that I published would have done well with the audience I'm writing for now. Mm-hmm. The audience that I was writing for before, I didn't know who I was writing for, and I just took it, threw it out there to everybody. I won't market "Loving Mother" to the same people. Like I, I, there are people who I contacted to review and so on and so forth. I won't even ask them um, because it's not for them. Mm-hmm. I I ask extreme horror fans, you know. And I don't know if you saw my Instagram, I had a post up that this is the first story that I've actively told people not to read. Yeah. Like some people, I'm like, this isn't for you. You won't like this. Like, trust me, just, you know, I know you well enough or whatever it is. It's not for you. So know your audience. And then I, I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to steal Chuck Palma's, uh <laughs> thing and say, write what you know, but I'm going to flip it around a little bit. And within reason, know what you are writing. You yeah. know, if take take a little time, don't rush through it. If there's something that comes up, don't guess, don't go. You know, no. Oh, I can make this up about this subject, and or you know, whatever it is, nobody will care. Somebody will, and you you're. you're it, it's going to stand out to your reader. And so, yeah. if you come up on something you want to include, something that you don't know or don't understand, look into a little bit, and your your story sure
0: is going to be that much better because of it. Yeah, that stuff def- I can definitely get down with. That is there. Is there anything that you uh? You- like to plug real quick, anything you're working on or looking forward to either writing or seeing? Or... Um, I'm currently working on a story in the tentative title, and
1: uh, I guess we didn't cover language at the beginning here, uh, oh. so I'll tell you what the title is, and if you <laughs> have to censor it, you do that. I totally get it. Um, but it's called, right now, I plan on having it be called Finger Bang Fang Fuck. Okay it's the kind of story that would be called that yeah uh that and when it's done i intend to have it released on godless
0: um, yeah the
1: only other thing that i have the plug really is loving mother so if your listeners haven't checked it out it is 50 cents uh it's not a huge investment 50 cents on godless.com just search my name or the title loving mother and uh yeah that's all i really got going on there
0: I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Generic Podcast with Sean Cochran. As mentioned earlier, you can catch the majority of his work at godless.com. And I hope you go ahead and check his work out. He's got a lot of interesting things out at the moment and some more fun things on the way. And before we go today, I just want to bring your attention to something else that I've been doing on the side. You may know Tyler Geis. He's a good friend of mine, and he is the host of the Tyler Geis Basement. And most episodes air on Mondays, but since it's the Halloween season, he's just ramping it up. He comes out with episodes all the time um, and during Halloween season. So go ahead, make sure you check him out, but also... Um, He and I got together, and we started a live cast called Hot Genre Topics, which airs the second episode this Sunday, October 16th, 2022. You can catch the episode live on YouTube under the same name, Hot Genre Topics, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will have a pre-show starting 15 minutes before then on instagram live then we're just gonna go right into youtube so go ahead check that out come on by watch us eat a whole bunch of hot sauces and drink beer and plug a whole bunch of indie horror and all sorts of other kinds of cool things that are going on within the horror community but until then y'all keep being the amazing people y'all are